0: This is Life Made Better, a podcast from two coaches with a zest for not only their lives, but yours. In this series, Fleur and Lucia seek out tips, tools and exercises to inspire you to achieve your dreams and goals. Join us and let's make life better.
1: Welcome back to Life Made Better, the podcast where we interview interesting people that not only inspire us, but so that we can find out how they made their life better and how we can learn from their story and their challenges. Today we're super excited to interview Chris Payne, producer and director of Constellation Films, which he created in 2012 to help nonprofits better engage with their audiences. The company is called Constellation because they are a virtual network of connected filmmakers seeking to offer agency standard films without all the overheads. Many of the films they make are authentic and story-driven. Behind-the-scenes, awareness films and fundraisers are their speciality. They also offer interactive video with BAFTA Emmy-winning producer Martin Percy. Thanks for joining us today, Chris.
0: You're welcome. Hello.
1: Can you tell us a little bit more, after that amazing introduction about your film company, about yourself?
0: about myself oh what specifically i am um, professionally i started out at uh, ealing film studios in the film business and uh, i worked it was a very exciting time and kind of a lot of quite starry people came through the company that i was working for and i'm yeah so it was, it was great being around really really talented people who um went on to have kind of like stellar careers Um, and then I start, I made a film really for fun, which got me quite a bit of, quite a few sort of writing kind of contracts, if you like, um, sort of scripts and stuff were options. But at the same time, I think when you, well, I remember actually doing lots of writing. It's quite a lonely profession. You're spending a lot of time, you know, at home and then films are notoriously, um, difficult to fund they are kind of they really are a sort of house of cards that can sort of collapse at any time and kind of at that time i was invited to shoot a, a short film for a charity and uh, i loved it it sort of felt really fun it, not only creative which was what i was doing and i was at kind of creative full stretch right in the in the kind of film business where you where you really are surrounded by the best you know, fabulously talented people in all, in all departments, cinematography, sound, et cetera. But what, it was, but making a film for a not for profit with sort of no money and no time and no resources really was equally challenging and also very satisfying because you were working directly with the subject um, often, the person who had experienced, who was working, who may be a subject who may be a sort of a client of a charity or, running a charity, and I loved that. It was was sort of very, you know, instead of having 200 people on a film set, it was just often myself and a sound recorder and the person, or even just myself, and it felt like very, very pure filmmaking, and that was possible because of the revolution in sort of digital filmmaking that happened about 10, 15, maybe 20 years ago now where digital cameras became very cheap and affordable and, and very mobile. So it's really democratized filmmaking when I started out, you know I never thought when i was a kid i could i'd go into the film business if you like. it sort of happened by chance um there were so many barriers to entry, and now you can you can make a film on your phone, you can make a really good film on your phone and publicize it through instagram and you don't need anyone if you've got the vision and insight and and relationships to make it to make it work
2: but what I'm loving hearing there, chris, is Because I think you're right, like, you know, nowadays technology has made filmmaking affordable or approachable for many. But even if the technology is is there, even if the devices that will enable you to create that are there, you still need that passion, you still need that drive. And that's what I was picking up from your conversation that it feels that particular was brought to life when you were helping these charities. And I'm curious to hear. A bit more on that, like why was it that working with them ignited you in a different manner? was it that because as you say, you were able to work with them on that much closer basis, or because what you were creating had kind of like a purpose that felt a bit bigger? I'm just curious to hear what made it different
0: i it's funny, I think they both it's both i say to people one because we still I still go on you know studio films shooting behind the scenes and I know i still know, sort of friends from the old days and I think they sort of I've I found why well, I suppose another reason why I call my comedy constellation is I found that they were connected I think the in the film business you have the best storytellers but in the non-profit sector you have the best stories and you see these stories play out in in real time if you like it uh, and you're speaking to people who sometimes really are at the sharp end of life they see they're experiencing issues or challenges that sometimes you just don't know how I or people I know would survive them and you see human experience um you see people overcome you know extraordinary challenges um and that's something you want to celebrate because it does my job is to sort of communicate those stories to the outside world, you know, and they can be not really big challenges. I, I, I'm really proud of a little film I made recently. It was um, one of my favourite clients is a is a London, it's called the London Early Years Foundation, and they're a, a forward-thinking early years, not for uh, social enterprise. They use the revenue they make in kind of West London and uh, the nurseries there to support uh, nurseries in other areas which um, face, you know, some sometimes some quite severe levels of deprivation to make sure that children get the best start in life. So they said you know they wanted a recruitment video recently to encourage people uh into childcare, and you know i'm just, uh, making a recruitment video to some filmmakers when you're leaving film school might sound like kind of an entry-level film but i got to work with a young actress who's four years old who with down syndrome and the uh, young carer who looked after her and It was just electric watching them connect. Um, His job was to get her into a mainstream school. Uh, This little girl's parents were concerned that she would have to go to a uh, a school that um, that catered for children with educational challenges. And they really wanted her to get into a a mainstream school because she's a very sociable child and is perfectly happy in around all kinds of people. Anyway, my job was to kind of capture that relationship and it was just so exciting to watch. i got to, you know, I mean, literally when I turned the camera on, you just couldn't miss everything that they did. Everything this little girl did was just fascinating. The way she looked at the world and the way she held things and examined things. And she took extra special care over her writing. And, um, she was even at four, just blown away by bubbles and all those magical things in life. So that's, you know, that's kind of that's kind of gold for filmmaking, if you like. Um, and a kind of timely reminder. You come home from you come home, it's just a lovely thing where the other thing is mainstream filmmaking, you're quite remote from where the action is, you know, an actors and stuff will be 10, 15 feet away, and there's lights and there's clap, etc. Whereas this little girl was less than a meter, she was just right in front of me. And and then you turn around and this care is looking at her and studying her, and you're getting all that body language of How he interacts her and interacts and puts places things in front of her, you know, just so to get her attention, and then listens and watches her learn, and is constantly kind of laying a kind of trail, a a kind of a card, a a trail of cards for her to pick up and turn over. And as a consequence, she's going to a amazing school, and that was my that was the sort of selling point of the video. And you know, it got like forty thousand hits in a week through no advertising because simply because of the start the stellar power of this of little medina i think um cuz people just wanted to see it you know
1: i absolutely love that that you're so though you could you could notice that and feel it and that's how you capture it because if you don't notice it and feel it how can you capture it you don't
0: yeah i think it you that's what you learn i think um it's interesting a lot of sort of street photographers become quite good You know, graduate to doing this. It's you can learn the technical skills of photography pretty quickly in two or three days. And but nowadays, the great thing also there's not only a democratization in in the kind of equipment you use, but people will also tolerate, especially young people, they'll tolerate kind of bad picture and quite murky sound if they're engaged by what's happening. And it's not just sensational stuff. They it, it's interesting. Charities have found that sometimes when they produce over slick videos, uh, young people just like swipe left because they think it's an advert. Um, yeah, and think. so films also are saying, you know, can you just make this look like it's on a phone?
1: Yeah, it's so yeah. interesting, <laughs> and isn't you're going,
0: it? these camera costs yeah, yeah. £30,000. <laughs> but yeah, if you want. It's the
1: authenticity, isn't it, yeah. though? It's people want real. I think we've had so much of fakeness. Yes. So much of making things look shiny, but the magic is in the real.
0: Yeah. And so the job really is giving the space to being quiet and listening and giving the space and then something will happen if you set it up right.
2: I'm in a way speechless because I'm so moved. Like obviously having been part of the entertainment business for decades, it feels so Heartwarming to have somebody like it really stuck with me the phrase that you just said like, you know, filmmakers or you know, the film industry has the best storytellers, but the charities have the best stories. And is that the thing that keeps coming for me is like, how many times do we miss the magic of everyday life just because we are so engrossed in the glossy filter?
0: Yes, it's true. I think there's so much noise in everyday life. And the actual, the lovely thing also why I love filmmaking is it does force you to listen and be quiet because if you're noisy and moving around, what's happening in front of you will stop. So you've got to be really, work really hard. And um, essentially enough, I'd learned my work. Do you know, I learned my shooting style from um, a wedding photographer, friendly enough, called Philip White. Check him out. Just, you can, his wedding videos is amazing. And what's lovely about them is he he says, look, you know, I... I've got a gnarly old camera and he gets, he does Royal weddings and all kinds of, you know, celebrity weddings and stuff. And goodness knows what he charges, but he, he shoots in a way where he prides himself on being, looking like one of the other guests. He doesn't come in with cranes and all this, all the kind of modern equipment you can get gimbals and stabilization and whatever. He says, you know, he's a guy in a suit with a little flower buttonhole flower in his buttonhole, and stand still and just gets amazing stuff. That's his whole philosophy. He's like, strip it out, strip it out, strip it back. Stand still, watch, listen, and then shoot. Um, mm. and you'll get, you'll get magic. And you know, wedding videos are notoriously challenging to do. I don't know if I could ever do one because of the, what you know, of course, the expectation and about capturing that magic. But that's what he's saying. He says, if you want to capture magic, you just watch, and it will happen.
1: Let it flow, as we say in coaching, instead of, you know, trying to force everything. But you just, you made me realize why. I mean, I absolutely hate having my photograph taken. And the person who always does my photographs for any of my stuff is an ex-pupil. I've known her since she was nine. Mm -hmm. And she'll come with just with a normal camera and she'll just click away kind of as we're talking or in the middle of something. And she always captures amazing photos. And I think it's right because I trust her. And she's there just being instead of making it feel that it's a false photo shoot.
0: It's funny how the human eye can really, really tell when a face is not as relaxed or whether it's slightly tensed up or whether you're not. I mean, if you can look at somebody, somebody you know, walks into a room and they're like, they may be sort of 15, 20 feet away. You can just tell, you think if they look slightly off colour. And if you think about the resolution required and the processing required to do that in a split second, um, it shows how sensitive we are to and how mobile our faces are. And this, I think this is why pro- portraits, you know, I could never, I don't know if you ever did art at school. I can't draw faces ever because they're so so complicated. We just accept what a plant looks like.
1: Um, (laughs) It's hard to capture that essence, isn't it? And as what you said when someone comes into a room as well. You can even sense a lot of the time what they're thinking and feeling and you haven't even spoken to them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But I'm loving here that you, through your piece of work or through your line of work you're able to bring that to the audiences and just listening to you to me is no surprise that that little piece that you did had 40 million views because it's so important I think to and such a skill to be able to capture that magic and be able to make others feel that magic through a screen I think that in itself is it's such a skillful thing to do. So kudos to you for being able to recognise the beauty that was in front of you and then to be able to translate that into a beauty that was going to be appreciated by many.
0: Oh, thank you. No, that's really nice to say. I do have to also say that that's it doesn't always happen. And I think often, I think the reason that film, one of the reasons absolutely that film worked was because I've developed, I've known the charity or the not-for-profit about three or four years now and the producer there also gets that so they make sure that uh we can work in that way oftentimes you'll get through no fault of their own somebody a client who just has you know points to hit and might not understand video and they you know they say we've got to say this we've got to say that and we've got to say the other and i think um these films don't tend to work because they become like a visual spreadsheets and film is like music. It's not like anything else. It's not like theatre. It's not like, it's a piece of music. And if you can't say, right, in three seconds, we, you've got to hit this note, and then at 10 seconds, you've got to hit this other note. It's just, it go, they're quite, they go in a certain direction. And if you deviate, they stop making sense. And I think with videos, short videos and the things that I do, you can only really do one thing well. We are often, I mean, I'm producing a series of film I'm, for the first time kind of, producing a slate of films for another not for profit and it's really exciting getting to work with new young filmmakers who are really eager and sometimes guys who, and, and women who may be very experienced in documentary or broadcast tv or light entertainment who want to you know give something back or working on a work on a not for profit film but yeah you've got to really give them set it up right and give them a space to do it um, and it's it, it, from the producing side um, yeah. that's really important, yeah. so
2: what I'm hearing, I know that we were just catching up uh, before we were recording, is that it's got to be a lot of trust, yeah, as well, not just in the team, but also a trust between you and the client, and trust in you know that kind of firm belief that what's going to come at the end of it is going to be worth it
0: yeah. and, and
2: that goes as well for your client because I've seen that so many times that you know somebody comes to you and says, okay, I'm just going to hire you, but this is what I want at the end result. And he's like, well, yeah. then, why are you hiring me? You've got so clear that that's what you've got. Here's your briefing. Now let me do my thing. And that's what I think your contribution is. And that's what I think where you can transform pieces from, from being plain advertising, nothing wrong with that, to storytelling. And that's yeah. when the magic happens. That would change when the affecting and creating and impacting those that are going to watch it
0: yeah, the interesting thing, what you're just picking up, what you said, what you said actually, and um, I know you have experience of this actually, is now recently shooting with really quite, you know, uh, international Hollywood stars from the UK and in the US, and you can't just whatever you say, they're not going to trust you. They may trust you because they've been told to trust you. It's very funny, actually. When people ask me about that job when we occasionally do it, is shooting is the easiest thing in the world because they're lit by, you know, the best cinematographer in the world. So you're kind of shooting their light and you're shooting a star, and they're stars for a reason. If they're still in, if they're in a big film, it's there, it's because they do absolutely have something. They have something we all want to look at and the way they behave and the way they communicate. But they also know that. There's still this suspicion that you're like a pap, like a paparazzi, and you're going to like run off the set, even though you've signed this absolutely, um, we'll come and get you if we find you. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and it's that's the challenge. And often we are, that's what we work on. We're trying to, you get 20 seconds as they walk on the set when they meet you for the first time to say, Am I going to trust this person to film me? And I spend, a week rehearsing those twenty seconds sometimes,
1: really, wow. and that's
0: hard because once again, what we were talking about earlier is you know if there's anyone who can tell whether you're tense, it's a Hollywood actor because <laughs> there's no body language and breathing and eye contact is just innate, and they probably had it when they were ten. You know, um it's funny that's the challenge with that job, and then reading the film set, so reading whether they think that they've done a good performance and they're going to be. Happy with that performance, and whether they're going to talk to the director or the creative people in a way that's going to be enlightening. Because if it's gone going wrong, we we are the last people (laughs) they want around filming them. So you've got to know when to turn a camera off and just step out and not make eye contact and so on. But here's the thing: the more you trust, there is because we were talking about trust. If they trust us, we get amazing stuff. Because we, you know, we it's not our job to make them look indecisive or weak or bad tempered our job is to really celebrate the process of filmmaking you know we will you know to deepen an audience's appreciation of these films not show them how they're made and everybody knows green screen and everybody knows how this works what they really want to know is why why this film was made and why the actor or the director and the writer wanted to make it and, uh, and um, what they think the audience is going to feel and how it's relevant to a kind of audience's life. And if there is trust, you can you can really, it can really work. And um, But if there's no trust, they just end up with precisely what they didn't want, mm-hmm. which is them looking stiff at the corner of their eyes and not looking that engaged with the process. We try, I mean, one of our, one of the things I say is, you know, look, if you, they, they come up to say, what do you do? And I say, well, we kind of shoot behind the scenes and then so okay, so you yeah, tell me about yourself. And I said, well, look, do you like boxing or something like that? And they go, uh, yeah. And I said, well, you know, you know, when they sort of shoot in the dressing room and then there, there's the, there's the, there's the kind of walk into the ring and then there's the sort of chat and all this kind of stuff. He said, that's what we do. And that makes the match even more exciting. If you didn't do that, the match would just be the match. So Sometimes that works. Sometimes they just go, well, I hate boxing and um, keep it. Dis- <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's
0: Man, so many I parallels, know, though, isn't
1: there, to real yeah, life? Yeah. If you It's, trust. Watching,
0: it's watching, but, you yeah, know, funny, well, I, can't, I think I've settled on the boxing thing, is you're watching a boxer get in the zone and it's really fascinating watching an actor kind of gear up for a performance. And when they're talking about afterwards in an interview or um, so often is not a junket, why they did the role it's interesting cutting to that footage as they are kind of pacing around in the wings or having a conversation and getting something you know kind of like the light bulb moment you see children have at school mm. which is sometimes which is the sweet spot for us when we're doing education stuff um but yeah once again trust mm. and being in the right space
1: yeah well, i've just recently trained in presence-based coaching and that's very much about that capturing between the two thoughts because mostly thoughts take us in the past or the future so that what it's doing all the time is taking us away from the actual moment and it's only in the moment where the real creativity and the connection can happen
0: that's absolutely do you know what I I don't know if it's similar but with behind the scenes training and asking um not just actors we're very much so actors but also you know a teacher who's holding a class and then what's really engaging with films is they you, there's, a, there's a technique called um, kind of a stand, what we call stand-ups, where or um, which is when you ask somebody to question while they're in the middle of doing something, because that really brings the audience. It's kind of like you've got a ringside seat and in the action. And I'm doing this because I've got a class that uh, I'm just about to teach a science class. What I want them to engage with is this and such such such. And you you pull the audience in. Stand-ups are kind of gold in on Hollywood film sets because if you can get you know. Um, your favorite actor sort of to kind of whisper into the camera that they're just about to do a scene or it's not quite, you know, they want to throw a surprise at the other actor and all this kind of stuff. It it always makes the cut. To act, you've got to be completely immersed and you've got to be completely right side of your brain. You cannot self-analyze. You've got to be able to take as many risks as you can. You've got to be open to... Any kind of creative impulse, and if somebody asks you to sort of analyze to tell you what you're doing, you're cu- you're taking your actor out of that space. So they're really hard, and we, yeah, it's an ongoing dialogue about how we we get those um, with kind of our clients. But there's not many actors like doing that. Um, directors are kind of okay doing it because they're, of course, analyzing. They're left hand, even though they're creating,
2: mm-hmm.
0: they're conducting.
2: Yeah.
0: So it's interesting what you're saying about how we think and how we react to things and and so on. Yeah. One of my
1: teachers was an actor as well.
0: <laughs> there you go.
1: So they're very used to having to completely emerge
2: into the moment and create the art. Yeah. But what you both are describing, it really is... The word that keeps coming back to me is flow. And Mihaly I probably didn't do justice to the surname. It's quite difficult for me to pronounce, but we'll put it in the episode notes. You did it well. (laughs) He was basically the one that came up with the concept of flow. And that's what it keeps coming to me. So flow is that moment where you are using your skill sets, but you're being challenged by the situation. So you know that you've kind of got to become your best to tackle the situation so it's like in a way it's like okay I've got to grow into this better version of me to tackle what I've got at hand and you can only do that by being present you can only do that by trusting yourself trusting the people that you've got around you and once you do that you unblock that superpower if you wish that's the time when you can just spend hours at length doing what you do best and it almost seems like time is just passing by you just blink and you miss it. And yes. that's what I'm hearing from both of you. Um, I,
0: yeah. That's absolutely what's because we would work in schools as well, and that's absolutely what teachers are trying to create, that space. And it's really hard. You have to prepare. They prepare endlessly. And I, gosh, I don't know about you all, the teaching. I had some great teachers. I had some terrible teachers, but I don't think they, I met any teachers that prepared like the teachers do nowadays. I've mm-hmm. I've seen amazing. I was in a kind of academy school in North London and, uh, these young women and men who were an assistants who were in the classroom they kind of, they felt like, kind of like young army officers. They were so on it. They were so the way they, their presence and the way they commanded the room. And um, it's a real art to be able to create that communication. The overlap. I, what I love, what's really interesting about talking to you guys is the overlap. I'm, you know, I, which I've been kind of slightly, which I'm kind of conscious of, but it's really nice being able to talk about it. So, uh, thank you, but I think I'm reminded of Mark Ryland's famous, famous uh theatre actor, was interviewed talking about the play, and we took this is sort of relates to the headspace to being engaged and engaging audience and communication. He sort of was asked about he was talking about his acting career and what he'd learnt uh, in the theatre, and he said, you know, uh, well, I, along that I'm sort of paraphrasing, I might not get it all right, but he said something like, you know, when you when I first started out as an actor, I thought the play was inside me. And I had to kind of communicate that to my other actors and the audience. And then I thought the play was between the actors. That's, you know, that it was sort of existed between us. It, and we were all molding it. But then when I finally, you know, now I'm re- I realize the play is floating above all of us. It's above the actors and the and the audience. It's this cloud that we're all manipulating, and it can go every way. And uh, I thought that was a really interesting because I've seen that in classrooms. It's not on the blackboard and it's not in between the kids.
1: No, it's emerging, it, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I was a teacher for 20 years, so I can feel <laughs> I know how hard teachers work. And it 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 is, it's an art, isn't it? it emerges what you're trying to create. And you don't know what the kids are going to come up with. So it has to emerge in the moment. Yeah. Uh, even though you know where you want them to go.
0: Very exciting. Yeah.
2: But it's the energy, and I think we've seen that as well through the, the line of work that we do with corporate. Like, you know, frequently we will get called to help teams. It's our role to be the providers of that safe space. So the play, as you have just described, is above all of them. And once they understand that they are kind of like acting in the same play, just to continue with the analogy, once they understand no. that they are all part of the same team, that they are all playing the same game and they they are striving to just do basically the same thing but each and every one of them has a role to play and only when they play it at their best then that's when you get a really good production and that's amazing like you know where we manage to get those teams and they trust themselves and they trust each other then see those yeah and that's when they see the team's flying and soaring and i think that's an analogy and that's an element that happens in every single area of life like you know in families how magical it is when all the family members are in alignment and they trust each other and you come and you communicate and you understand what your role within the family is and then you present yourself as your best in that role and then there's harmony and then everything is beautiful
0: yes that's really interesting there's not enough pauses to reflect on how we communicate i think in in modern life because you because the busier it gets the faster you have to communicate but that also means that the less considered you can be when you communicate Mm -hmm. you know great communicators are so precise and concise Mm -hmm.
1: which is why we all need to slow down
0: (laughs) Yeah. yeah
1: So there is more considered conversation and more considered choices about how we do things so chris Yes. Can you sum up in one question how you have made your life better? <laughs> I
0: <don't know. laughs> um, I have. I made my life better. Oh gosh, I think other people have made my life better. Definitely, I think. I, if I've made my life better, is being open to those kind of people. I, I think if I took stock of my life, what you realise is that the fundamental changes. Or the the brilliant things that happen to you are when you meet like minded people and they become friends because they're the ones that uh, if you if you do if you did a cost benefit analysis it's people I've got to work with or I've said to myself do you know what? I'm not going to sit at home today I'm going to go out the door and and then I've met somebody or um, yeah I met my wife when just you know it's like I. Everything was telling me just to sit at home and watch TV, and I thought, oh, "No, I can't do this. It's in sunshine. I've got to go out." But if I, I could, so easily didn't, you know. And that, it's those kind of things that make the difference to you. I think friendships are so important mm. because the great thing about friendships, of course, is if you're doing something together, you're doing something together with someone you like, <laughs> rather than being forced <laughs> to do it with, with, with someone yeah. who, you really That's- don't like.
1: That's an absolute non-negotiable for me yeah. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm working I'm working with people I really really trust and care about otherwise yeah. I'm not
0: doing it <laughs> And the, and the likelihood is, it's, it's, then it's just easier because <laughs> yeah exactly in, you're like-minded
1: aren't you yeah yeah yeah
0: um, and you've got that vocabulary so yeah I think that would be the simple way um connections. And I, yes and just um make well of butter I've I knew what I wanted to do quite early on in life, but it doesn't, you know, that it's also not easy. I mean, if you're um, working in the arts, it's, um, um, it is hand to mouth. It's insecure a lot of the time. There's a lot of disappointment. It's a lottery sometimes for what things get done, but, um, and what things don't, it's not all sunshine and roses, um, <laughs> but, I, but but the good times sort of make up for the times that aren't, I think. <laughs>
2: Well, what I'm hearing, and, you know, I think, again, it happens in, in life, is just when you've got a clear vision of where you want to be, the hardest or the rocks that are presented along the way seem easy to come by. Not easy, but, you know, can be overcome because your no. passion or your desire sits somewhere farther. And you know that in order to get there, you're just going to have to do through, go through a few hurdles in life. And that's what gives you the resilience. To get yeah. That.
0: I think also what we've all talked about, which is not talked about enough to young people, is it's so much more exciting being in a team. They, 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 they're they bombarded with these sort of stars and influences on social media and they think it's the one person and they think they've got to be the best, brightest singer, dancer, um, business, you know, startup, entrepreneur, actually when I talk I'm talking about friends all the people I've you know all the friends I've known and stuff it's it's that fabulous play Hamilton when it's you know it's you want to be in the room when it happens that's the buzz that's the buzz uh because you might get to make a contribution and stuff like that but you've also got someone to talk about it after it's happened mm, sharing who, who the leaders really lonely I met yeah. you know I met, my dad told me a story where he met, he was on, he met the kind of the second in command of a battleship or, you know, somebody in the Navy. And he said, yeah, this is the best job. You don't want want to be the captain. I get to sit on the deck, watch the ship. Everybody likes me because I'm not having to tell them, but the captain's lonely. And I think that's the same with, in a lot of professions. So I would say, I'm sort of, that's my thing with young people. I say, look, you know, look, if you, you know, you want to be a footballer, but listen, stay at school because... I've met people who wanted to be footballers but are now marketing managers of Premier League clubs and they go, they're they going into Arsenal every day for the rest <laughs> of their life, you know, for the rest yeah. of their personal life. They're not like burnt out at 25, yeah. um, injured, got all the press outside their front door, even if that happens, you know, which yeah, is yeah. there's how many people? There's like there must be 200 professional league footballers in the UK.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: it's about being, if you like something, try and, find other people who like it to and do what they do, you know. Musicians as well, you know, they always reminisce about the times when they were when they were, you know, a struggling band. That's when it was really fun. Mm. You know, on the road and stuff.
1: Yeah. It's definitely, isn't it? It's part being part of the process. And if you've got no one to celebrate with, it's not yeah. very fun, is it? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Look what I've done. Well, who's going to also be enjoying that with you? So it's definitely something about doing something with other people
0: thank you so much no somebody's always coming along you know to replace you so exactly uh,
1: so enjoy the journey is what i'm hearing yeah with the people that you connect to thank you so much for joining us chris you're so
0: welcome
1: such a lovely conversation and so enlightening so thank you to our audience for joining us one more week thanks for showing us your love and appreciation and please share this podcast with anyone you think will benefit from it like leave a comment and subscribe we look forward to seeing you next week and in the meantime stay well stay safe stay inspired much love